0: Good evening good afternoon i don't know i don't have like an early morning one yeah you know like you've got you've got good morning good evening good afternoon what what's like the like two go a. To bed. yeah <laughs> yeah i guess just go to sleep just, just, just go, just go sleep away <laughs> <laughs> welcome to time zone still not acceptable <laughs> how have you been this week laura I've been good i've been quite busy went to a music festival Ooh-hoo. Someone's lost. Guess what I did? <laughs> Drank two GNTs and threw up.
1: <laughs> Do you know very what I did? Tolerant. I did
0: yesterday is my outing. I walked what? to the outside of the cinema. Me and James, my brother, we went and looked at the cinema. Hold up, is that legal? Well, it was within five miles, so yeah, yeah. Ooh, Just I don't know. I think that's pushing it. I think that is too much entertainment to be legal. I know. We looked at mm. it. It was very fun. And we read the sign on the door. It was, it was exciting. It was a crazy thing. have now showing? Or? No, no, it said temporarily closed. It's a long word to read, but we, we read it. We had yeah, fun. But you got it. Two mm-hmm. That's tricky, yeah. Yeah. I want the sound out. But you got there. <laughs> Talking of tricky things to read, um, Twilight. Twilight. I mean, what about it? I feel like we've covered it, Laura. Did you have more to yeah. say on that? Well, in the beginning... There was light. And then there was twilight. In my oh. Yeah, yeah. We're kind of as Jesus said. Yeah. That's verbatim um, from the Bible, guys. In the know? beginning there was light. And twilight. Genesis one. Genesis <laughs> one. <laughs> <laughs> Eve was know, born yes. from Edward's bent rib. Oh gosh. Let's not get into that. <laughs> Right, so for those who are just tuning in, we um, are running a quite a long... Wait, no, is this our second Twilight phase? This is yeah. second Twilight. We're in our second Twilight phase, which we think is okay, considering there's like five films and four books. Mm-hmm. Um, so oh, there's a lot, lot of ground to cover. Okay. <laughs> for, for the uneducated, there's four books, but that's fine. <laughs> I'll let it go. That's pretty <laughs> really insulting. I know there's <laughs> a Secret Life of Britanna, who I recently figured out who um, she is, which was cool. Short second life of Britanna, but, like, okay, good try, good try. Oh, okay, all right. <laughs> anyway, point is, for me, there was three books. For some, there were four books. Mm-hmm. For some, there were more than four books. And for some, there were five movies. And for me, there was four movies. Um, and basically, there is vampires and a werewolf, multiple werewolves and Bella, and it's a whole – who do you choose, who's the hottest, Taylor Lautner, Edward Cullen, whose name I've, Robert Pattinson. There you <laughs> <go>. <laughs> I was like, oh, no. Oh. <laughs> um, it divided fan bases for what, solid 10 years? Still does. Yeah, going. I mean, the film came out in 2008. That was kind of when it hit its peak in mainstream media. So it's been a lot of debate. Yeah. It's been a long time coming. I mean, I haven't personally enjoyed it, but some people have. Oh, I wow, really <laughs> So, so Laura, today we're going to be talking about one I of, one really... of the, the serious issues. Yes, Laura? You may I just have a really quick first question, just preliminary. <laughs> team Edward, Team Jacob. Edward. So, if yeah. anyone says Jacob, I actually have a... We're going to get into the Jacob problem, which is why if you are Team Jacob, you either haven't read all the books, haven't seen all the films, or... I don't like you, and I don't know. I don't know how else to tell you that. I'm just going to come in and apologize on behalf of the other Laura. If you are Team Jacob, maybe just maybe just skip this episode and pretend you didn't hear us say that. <laughs> don't skip it. And you, you can need join the next week where you will be fully <laughs> welcome and not ostracized for your opinions. Um, but as for this week, get out. Um, I, I'm telling <laughs> you, by the end of this episode, Laura, you're going to be on my side. Like, I'm not not on your side. I just don't. I just don't buy into the love triangles, right? Until it's The Hunger Games, and then I buy into the love triangles. I'm not even buying. It's not even like I hate the existence of the love triangle. We're gonna get into the love triangle didn't always exist, and that the world was better then. Um, and I, I just I hate him. As a, I, I, just hate him. I really hate him. I think it's harsh to hate him, and I, I and we'll tell you for why. Um, okay. <laughs> I I just love that expression. Um, <laughs> You've picked it up from me as well. You know, it's <laughs> my favourite thing you say. It just cracks me up every time you say it. Don't tell me you fool. I will tell you. <laughs> it, reminds of, it reminds me of the uncle from um, Governor oh, Stacey. That's me where I got it from. <laughs> yeah, I love it. <laughs> um, i got no idea what we were saying. Oh, I think it's unfair to hate Jacob, and I think we'll get into that. But I think it's very fair to hold Stephanie Meyer personally accountable for Jacob. We can hold her accountable for many things, including Jacob. I agree. So let's talk about the origins of the Twilight franchise, Laura. I think you had a better grip on this than I did. So in the beginning, there was two books. Uh, Twilight was always going to be a two-book series. It was going to be Twilight and Forever Dawn. Um, Forever Dawn was basically the same as Breaking Dawn, Like they get married, they have a half vampire baby and there's kind of issues with the Volturi and that's kind of that. However, um, the first book was very successful. It sold very well, especially after the film came out, it was doing really well. So the Mormon Church, and Stephanie Mayer is a patron of the Mormon Church and she gives, I believe she gives like a a portion of the kind of profits of Twilight to the Mormon Church. Um, And Twilight is kind of an allegory for Mormonism you know vampires represent angels and the idea that you can be kind of saved and given eternal life and there's a lot kind of Mormon ideas going on and uh, the Mormon church quite liked this and so they wanted the books they wanted there to be more books they wanted to be more opportunities for learning about Mormonism they thought hey we could really do some damage to all teenage girls yeah we've got a chance we can really do something so um they decided to write two books in the middle. They put in New Moon and Eclipse, which Laura has never encountered. And there's a lot that happens in Eclipse. That... I just, we had a pre-discussion about this and we realised that Eclipse like lifts right out of the entire story. Like Especially... I never read Eclipse, never saw the film, and yet was 100% sure I knew the entire plot of Twilight. Mm-hmm. In the movies, you can literally just not watch Eclipse, and it still makes perfect sense. Um... But the book, I don't know, it's my favourite book. I've, I'm very fond of it. Um, but yeah, so the original kind of character of Jacob introduced in Twilight, he's very young and innocent. He kind of has a crush on Bella, but there's nothing really there. Um, and he's actually based on Stephanie Mayer's brother. He is based no. on her brother Jacob, named after him. All of her siblings are in the books and like all have like namesakes in the books. It's really weird. Sorry, sorry, named? No. Yeah. So no. one of them. So, you can kind of figure out who she likes best. So there's Jacob who's like a main character and there's <coughs> Heidi, the assistant to the Volturi who was slaughtered. So like those are the- t- Heidi, Ooh, that's a tough sibling relationship there. I know. <laughs> can you imagine being what? Heidi? <laughs> can you also imagine being like, like even if you don't like your siblings, save them some face and give them the main part anyway. Yeah. Well, I, so, uh, yeah. so I'd always thought, I've always kind of been aware of this Forever Dawn theory, and if you don't know, spoiler alert, at the end of a clip, um, not Eclipse, Breaking Dawn, when Bella has her demon child, Jacob imprints on this baby, meaning he like kind of falls in love with her as like a soulmate kind of situation. And that's kind of one of the most controversial topics of Twilight. Anna, we are going to talk. Do not worry. We're yeah. not brushing past this. We don't just go like, yeah, okay. <laughs> and basically, um, I assumed that in the original plans of of Forever Dawn, that didn't happen and that we, that only happened because we developed Jacob's character in New Moon and Eclipse and that needed to be like tied off at the loose end. So uh, that wasn't really part of it. Um, however, I was re-watching Twilight, as I often do. And I noticed a bit of a, a plot hole in that you see um, Jacob kind of being mentioning uh, imprinting and stop oh, mentioning, like kind of rushing past the idea of imprinting. And I was like, "Hmm, if that exists, then that means that was being set up for Breaking Dawn, but Breaking Dawn didn't it ecl- uh, didn't exist, didn't eclipse, didn't exist." So I <laughs> then went onto the Stephanie May website, and I found <laughs> uh, the original plans for Forever Dawn, and it was always going to happen, basically. Oh, that was just a big build up. She was always just going to have Jacob imprint on a baby. That was always the plan. It wasn't a rush. It wasn't a maybe we should do it. It was always, it was planned. It was intentional. <laughs> God. I can't, so I, I need to talk about this because I think there's so many plot holes as well. Like forget imprinting being weird just for, if you can possibly forget how weird that is. Yep. Stop for a second and think about the general concept she's developed doesn't actually work as well. Mm. Like because her theory is, and this is what I was thinking about. And like maybe I'm wrong. Laura, I'm sure you will correct me if I am. <laughs> <laughs> Resident Twilight expert. Um, but if you're like whole because the whole theory of the imprinting, right, is that you are like whatever that person needs. So it's like mm-hmm. like Jacob's very like defensive that it's not inherently like romantic or sexual yeah. or anything, that it is just like almost like a protector. Um, mm-hmm. and like if they need a teacher who he'll be the teacher and if they need a guardian he'll be the guardian and if they need a lover da, 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 da. Um, but I find that really weird because we only ever see the guys imprint on the girls and the girls imprint on the guys oh wait no can the girls imprint law? Uh, the girl there's no evidence of women imprinting. Right yeah which gets into another territory of yeah helping. thank you Stephanie Meyer um, and so like if it's not inherently romantic why would she have like that kind of like heterosexual like well, alignment of those it is it's not necessarily romantic the idea is that you imprint on the person with which you could make like the the best descendant of the quillette tribe so That's um, the idea is you imprint on like your biological ideal but the relationship you have with them isn't necessarily sexual or romantic it's like a it's like a natural force that's maybe driving you to have that relationship, but it isn't inherently that. It's like, not all of the relationships are like that. That's so gross still, though. Mm. I don't know why. I've never liked the whole, like, mate no, for, like, didn't. survival of the fittest or anything. Like, it's just, yeah. like, we are not, like, living in caves anymore. We can just marry who we want to marry. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't like that at all. <laughs> um, and then the other thing, issue I have with it is, like, if... Even if, like, it's, you know, even if all that stands up in court. I don't, I also don't love the fact that, like, it suggests that you do need someone. And I know that sounds, like, kind of, like, completely um, radical. You know, like, I know no man is an island. But I don't like the idea that they, like, fill a void. Mm -hmm. That it implies that from the second you are born, you are always not going to be, like, quite enough. And you are always going to need someone to be enough for you. I really um, see that as well in Twilight. That everyone is married off at the end. It's like a Shakespeare comedy. Like, no one can be left single because that is yeah. tragic. And, like, oh my God, like, how could you go on? And you see that in Edward. Yeah. Like, before Bella, his life was a midnight. Like, he had no hope and no love and no and anything. When he had, he had like a beautiful, loving family. Like, he did have everything he would need for a good life. And yeah, Bella could make that better. But, like, why does he have to feel depressed without her? Like, it's just yeah. sad. And we see it in every, every like, you're right, every single character. We even see it with, like, Jessica and, like, Mike Newton that she settles for Mike when Mm -hmm. she wanted Edward. Um, And, like, Jessica does not strike me as someone who settles ever. Like, she's a go-getter if ever I saw one. And yet she has to settle because Stephanie Meyer has to tie all these ends up. And I think it's actually that that gets us to the weird place we end up with Renesmee and Jacob. Because her need for everyone to be partnered and like happy and complete, and for the whole series to be complete, overrides her like sense of like what is logical and like normal and okay mm-hmm. um, to write. Um. So I think I don't know. I think it's a really interesting thing of an, of an author not being able to really um. Not being able to see the bigger picture. Um, yeah. Purely for the frame of the photo. I think it's also kind of lazy writing in my opinion. I think it's like instead of making them come across as happy and secure and everything, like they have a lover so now they they must be happy. And it's like just kind of implied that because they are like they've mated for life, they're now happy forever rather than being in circumstances that make them secure and happy and everything. I don't know. Absolutely. And I think I've just had to think about it. And we also don't see, like, many relationship issues aside from, mm. like, the key relationship of Bella and Edward mm-hmm. and Jacob. Um, Like, we don't ever yeah. see, like, Alice and Jasper not talking. And, like, there's an aspect of that that's, like, well, they're just an elite couple. Mm-hmm. Like, you can um, read emotions. Alice can see the future. They're going to avoid any fights they have. But I think that is a cop-out. Um, And I think I get- it's also an idea of, like, the perfect relationship is perfect. Yeah. I think as well, like, they, could, they had the opportunity with that, with Emmett and Rosalie, that Emma and Rosalie, like, directly disagree about what to do about Bella and, like, what, right, what the right thing to do is. And they could have had a real conflict there. like they, they kind of, like, stopped talking and fall out, but they don't. And it's just, like, but they're fine. Like, they can just, you know, leave that at the door and in their relationship it's fine. I, I don't think that makes sense. I don't think that's realistic. And I just, I'm sorry, you cannot convince me that after 100 years not one of those couples have had a fight.
2: Mm. Well, prop, you know, like a proper
0: fight, kind of addressed in Midnight Sun. I mean, I agree with you. I think it's unrealistic. I think it's lazy writing of Stephanie Mayer to put this in Midnight Sun. That the idea is that they're frozen, so that their like changes and their like their opinions and ideas about what they want and someone doesn't change. So that creates very little conflict because they aren't growing and they aren't like changing. I don't know. But if that's the case, how do they ever have an opinion of someone to begin with that they meet Mm -hmm. in the time that they're frozen? Exactly. Like, Like, yeah, because Rosalie meets. Makes sense, but. Yeah, because Rosalie meets Emmett when she is frozen. Mm -hmm. So hypothetically, she can't come to love him when she does. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I think that's really lazy writing, to be honest. Mm -hmm. Classic. Um... Classic. (laughs) Let's talk about some other issues. (laughs) We're back to consent. So I'm going to be <coughs> reading from my personal holy book, uh, Eclipse, Twilight Saga Eclipse by Stephanie Meyer. <laughs> and it's this one. Um, so this is happening. Oh, wrong bit. I always do that. Um, this is happening. <laughs> in. Uh, so Jacob has taken Bella to uh, a Quillette meeting, um, which is a Native American tribe people, if you didn't know, which is featured in Twilight quite controversially. We'll also get to that at some point. Um And in this part, um, Jacob's dad is telling them all uh, a legend about kind of the original wolves and how they've turned into werewolves. And um, they've kind of been talking about the, the first wolf called Tahaaki and his son Yahauta, um, who Yaha Uta has just killed a, a, a vampire, and his mate has come to like get revenge on the tribe at this point. Enjoy. This is this is very this is a good ride. The stories say that the cold woman was the most beautiful thing human eyes had ever seen. She looked like the goddess of the dawn when she entered the village that morning. The sun was shining for once, and it glittered off her white skin and lit the golden hair that flowed down to her knees. Her face was magical in its beauty, and her eyes were black in her white face. Some fell to their knees to worship her. She asked something in a high, piercing voice in a language no one had ever heard. The people were dumbfounded, not knowing how to answer her. There was none of Taha'aki's blood among the witnesses, but one small boy. He clung to his mother and screamed that the smell was hurting his nose. One of the elders, on his way to the council, heard the boy and realised what had come among them. He yelled for the people to run. She killed him first. There were 20 witnesses to the cold woman's approach. Two survived only because she grew distracted by the blood and paused to sate her thirst. They ran to Taha'aki, who sat in council with the other elders, his son and his third wife. Yaha Uta transformed into his spirit wolf as, he, as soon as he heard the news. He went to destroy the blood drinker alone. Taha Aki, his third wife, his sons, and his elders followed behind him. At first they could not find the creature, only the evidence of her attack. Bodies lay broken, a few drained of blood strewn across the road where she had appeared. They heard screams and hurried to the harbour. A handful of the Colettes had run to the ships for, for refuge. She swam after them like a shark and broke the bow of their boat with her incredible strength. When the ship sank... She caught, the, she caught those trying to swim away and broke them too. She saw the great wolf on the shore and she forgot the fleeing swimmers. She swam so fast she was a blur and came, dripping and glorious, to stand before Yaha Uta. She pointed at him with one white finger and asked another incomprehensible question. Yahauta waited. It was a close fight. She was not the warrior her mate had been, but Yaha Uta was alone. There was no one to distract her fury from him. When Yaha Uta lost, Taha Aki screamed in defiance. He limped forward and shifted into an ancient, white-muzzled wolf. The wolf was old, but this was Taha Aki, the spirit man, and his refuge made him strong. The the fight began again. Taha Aki's third wife had just seen her son die before her. Now her husband fought, and she had no hope she could win. She'd heard every word the witnesses to the slaughter had told the council. She'd She'd heard the story of Yahayuta's first victory, and she knew that his brother's diversion had saved him. The third wife grabbed a knife from the belt of one of her sons who stood beside her. They were all young sons, not yet men, and she knew they would die when their father failed. The third wife ran towards the cold woman, with the dagger raised high. The cold woman smiled, barely distracted from the fight over the wolf. She had no fear of the weak woman or the knife that would not even scratch her skin. She was about to deliver the death blow to Taha Tahaaki. When the third wife did something and then the third wife did something the cold woman did not expect. She fell to her knees at the blood drinker's feet and plunged the knife into her own heart. Blood spurted through the third wife's fingers and splashed against the cold woman. The blood drinker could not resist the lure of flesh bud leaving the third wife's body. Instinctively, she turned to the dying woman for a second, entirely consumed by thirst. Taha'aki's teeth closed around her neck. That was not the end of the fight, but Taha'aki was not alone now. Watching their mother die, two young sons felt such rage that they sprang forth as their wolf forms, though they were not yet men. With their father, they finished the creature. Taha Aki never rejoined the tribe, never changed back into a man again. He lay for one day beside the body of the third wife, growling whenever anyone tried to touch her, and then they went into the forest and never returned. Now we don't have time to unpack all of that. All of that. <laughs> there is something very interesting to say about, and the reason why we wanted to say that, um, talk about this excerpt, is in the movie, Stephanie Mayer fought very hard for that sequence, the third wife, to be played by Bella, to be played by Kristen Stewart, and they shot it and filmed it and gave it to test audiences, and they all went, oh, you can't do that. And so they had to change it last minute. It's just a fun fact. <laughs> just, a fa- just a fun fact. Just some, just some deeply deeply flawed cultural oh, yeah. appropriation right there. And that is, I, I believe, oh. at least based on real Quillette legends. And um, and Kristen Stewart starred in it. <laughs> I mean, she's every woman. She is. <laughs> she's the Emma Stone. Like she. Do you need to be Native American? No. She's Kristen Stewart. <laughs> Have you seen her? She's great. Do you need to be Asian? No. No. <laughs> so yeah, if you if you didn't dislike Stephanie Mayer after that lovely excerpt. This one will, um... This I, hold on, I have, a, I have a few things I want to say about this one. Sorry, <laughs> okay. I'm not ready to move on. Um, first of all, one, the third wife did not need to do that. In, like, the least, yeah. like, yeah, sad she died, but didn't need to go into her heart. She, yeah. Would she not have simply, like, wounded, like, her arm or leg or something? And that's what Bella does at the end. She, like, cuts her hand a tiny bit, and yeah. it works the same way. And it's like, he could have just, like, you know... <laughs> You didn't need to die. Yeah. And then I also, I also want to talk about the fact the wolves changed when they saw their mother die, but when they're watching yeah. their father get mauled by a vampire, they're like, no, nah, that's cool. They just saw their brother Sorry. die and they were like, nah. <laughs> no worries. <Nah>. that's fine. <laughs> oh. I also think it has such strong, like, I mean, to me, the images that conjures up is like, um, uh, oh, Captain Cook. Who is he? Who rocked up in America? Oh, Christopher Columbus. Yeah, Christopher Columbus, Captain Cook's our guy. Um, <laughs> um, it has that idea of this, like, white invader. Um, yeah. And then I hate, yeah. I hate the idea of Kristen Stewart um, being, like, the white saviour as well, especially because there is so much focus in Twilight on Bella's skin colour, how she's, yeah. like, paler than, like, anything mm-hmm. humanly possible. That's so um, true. And so I really, like, I just hate that white saviors complex. Um, and I don't. I don't actually understand what Stephanie Meyer was thinking with that because I can't really see what she thought that would add, like Bella I playing that role. So she was trying to draw parallels between Bella and the third wife and implying that mm. just like, you know, Bella is brave and she will sacrifice herself and she's loving, clever and like, you know, she does draw parallels, in the story she draws parallels and that's how Bella eventually defeats Victoria at the end of this book by... You know Edward's fighting her, and he's not going to win. So she cuts herself, so she gets distracted, and, Bella- and Edward can win. Um, we but can it, talk about the fact a way better ending would have been if she had actually like um, killed herself. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's where I was going. <laughs> oh, and then Edward like changed her, and then Edward changed her while she's dying. Yeah. It would have been so yeah. much more like I just so much more moving. Like it, feel, it yeah. feels, yeah. As John Green drawing the parallels between like Anne Frank and Hazel Grace. Like yeah, they're not it the family does. Yeah. Like, cutting yourself down your hand to distract like a like bloodthirsty vampire is not the same as stabbing yourself in the heart yeah. to protect an entire community. Like it's just not. And it's also like these stories are very real to a lot of people. Like Stephanie mm-hmm. mary has gone, cute, like a nice little a nice little like cultural thing to put in there. It's like, no, that's someone's history. That's someone's like identity, you can't just kind of take that and be like, Kristen Stewart's playing your ancestor now. Enjoy. <laughs> I don't know. The whitest female character in Hollywood. <laughs> Play your you ancestor. Enjoy. No worries. It, it, yeah, it literally looks like Stephanie Meyer was like, oh, that's nice. I'll have some of that. Oh, that's exactly what it's it is. Just... Exactly. <sighs> to a T. I don't like now it. I'm done. Of. I'm done enough. Mm-hmm. We can move on to the next excerpt. We can if move you're... on already. This one is <clears throat> bad. So um, <laughs> is bad. So um, Jacob has just told Bella of his feelings for her. And she has very clearly said, No, thank you. Um, but he's not really taking the hint. Because Bella's a good communicator. Yeah, she's a very we're gonna we're gonna see some fantastic communication here. So strap yourself in. That's a lot. <laughs> Jacob, I stared into his dark eyes, trying to make him take me seriously. I love him, Jacob. He's my whole life. You love me too, he reminded me. He held up his hand when I started to protest. Not the same way, I know, but he's not your whole life either. Not anymore. Maybe he was once, but he left. And now he's just going to have to deal with the consequence of that choice. Me. I shook my head. You're impossible. Suddenly, he was serious. He took my chin in his hand, holding it firmly so that I couldn't look away from his intent gaze. Until your heart stops beating, Bella, he said. I'll be here, fighting. Don't forget that you have options. I don't want options, I disagreed, trying to yank my chin free unsuccessfully. And my heartbeats are numbered, Jacob. That time is almost gone. His eyes narrowed. All the more reason to fight. Fight harder now while I can, he whispered. He held my chin, his, it, my, he held my chin. his fingers holding too tight till it hurt, and I saw the resolve for, form abruptly in his eyes. I started to object, but it was too late. His lips crushed mine, stopping my protest. He kissed me angrily, roughly, his other hand gripping tight around the back of my neck, making escape impossible. I shoved against his chest with all my strength, but he didn't even seem to notice. His mouth was soft despite the anger, his lips molding to mine in a warm, unfamiliar way. I grabbed at his face, trying to push it away, failing again. He seemed to notice this time, though, and it aggravated him. His lips forced mine open, and I could feel his hot breath in my mouth. Acting on instinct, I let my hands drop to my side and shut down. I opened my eyes and didn't fight, didn't feel, just waited for him to stop. It worked. The anger seemed to evaporate and he pulled back to look at me. He pressed his lips, his lips softly to mine again, once, twice, a third time. I pretended I was a statue and waited. Finally, he let go of my face and leaned away. Are you done now? I asked in an expressionless voice. Yes, he said. He started to smile, closing his eyes. I pulled my arm back and then let it snap forward, punching him in the mouth with as much power as I could force out of my body. There was a crunching sound. Ow, ow, I screamed frantically, hopping up and down in agony while I clutched at my hand to my chest. It was broken. I could feel it. Jacob stared at me in shock. Are you all right? No, damn it! you broke my hand. Bella, you broke your hand. Now stop dancing around and let me look at it. Don't touch me. I'm going home right now. I'll get my car, he said calmly. He wasn't even rubbing his jaw like they did in the movies. How pathetic. "No thanks," I hissed. "I'd rather walk." I turned around the road. I turned toward the road. It was only a few miles to the border. As soon as I got away from him, Alice would see me. "She said somebody to pick me up. Just let me drive you home," Jacob insisted. Unbelievably, he had the nerve to wrap his arm around my waist. I jerked away from him. "Fine," I growled. "Do. I can't wait to see what Jacob, what Edward does to you. I hope he snaps your neck, you pushy, obnoxious, ob- moronic dog." Jacob rolls his eyes. He walks me to the passenger side of his car and helps me in. When he got to the driver's side, he was whistling. And then a couple of pages later, they arrive back at Bella's house. We walk, we walk silently past the front room where Charlie was lying on the sofa. Hey, kids, he said, sitting forward. Nice to see you here, Jake. Hey, Charlie, Jacob answered casually, pausing. I stalked to the kitchen. What's wrong with her? Charlie wondered. She thinks she's broken her hand. I heard Jacob tell him. I went to the freezer and pulled out a tray of ice cubes. How does she do that? As my, father thought, as my father, I thought Charlie ought to sound a bit less amused and a bit more concerned. Jacob laughed. She hit me. Char- Charlie laughed too, and I scowled while, he, while I beat the tray of ice against the sink. I scattered against, against the basin, and I grabbed a handful of it with my good hand and wrapped the cubes in a dishcloth on the counter. Why did she hit you? Because I kissed her, Jacob said, unashamed. Good for you, kid. Charlie congratulated him. So, <laughs> can I get a hit out on both Charlie and Jacob, please? Yeah, like I, act, I, like this like really an annoys me. I know. So that's the first disgusting. thing before we get into the main thing, actually, the first thing that annoys me is the idea that like Jacob says, um, he's not your whole life now, Bella. I am too, and it's like so. So she only exists for men. Like that. That's it. Cool. Just let's get that like straight out there. <laughs> My other favorite, like before we get into the, all the terrible stuff, my other favorite thing is right at the beginning when he goes, but he left. And it sounds like when like someone gets up out of a chair and like, walks yeah. out of the room to like, go get a coffee and comes back and someone else is sitting in their chair and like, well, you left, you can't have the chair back. Like, it's, like an, it's an object thing. It's like, oh, he left you unattended. Yeah, I claimed like, you, what? you're mine now. And Bella, I mean, I missed out some bits in the middle just cause I mean, I could have read for like the whole hour. Because there's so much, there's more after it when when Edward arrives and it's awful. But Bella for ages, she's like, I don't want you to drive me home. I don't want you to come in the house. I don't want you to see Edward. I don't want you to kiss me. I don't want you to talk to my dad. And Jacob laughs. He laughs at her. He's like, okay. And like, he never ever apologizes to her for that. And when we see him later at the party, when they kind of see each other for the first time, she's really angry at him. And he's like, come on, I apologise. Like, what do you want from me? And she's going, you can apologise, but I'm still going to be angry. And he's like, you're such a bitch. Like, that's so unfair. And he has absolutely no consideration for how she felt about that. Like, none at all. You know what I really don't like about it is it? Pla- so, it, like, I understand where Stephanie Myers was, like, trying to come from with that. Like, she was both trying to, like, please... The Edward fans, so that Bella wasn't cheating on Edward, but she needed to give everyone like a Jacob, um, oh God, what's her name? Bella, <laughs> a Jacob <laughs> Bella kiss. So mm-hmm. she like needed Bella to not want it. And so I think her like best approach was like, oh, like an angry kiss. Like, you know, that's always a bit hot and like always a, and like an entertaining thing to witness. And I absolutely hate that because an angry kiss is not meant to be about like, like, the anger driving the, like, attraction and, like, one person's anger outweighing the others. Like, whenever you see an angry kiss in a book, it's like when the two are, like, having a full-on fight and they're yelling at each other and then they, like, realise they're yelling, you know, like, they realise they're yelling at each other because they're, like, attracted to each other and then they give into it together. Um, whereas, like, the one-sidedness of one of them being angry and one of them wanting to kiss is, like, just an absolute just destruction of that whole trope. Although they, they do have another kiss that's like consensual after um Jacob, uh, Edward's like orchestrate, I mean it's quite bad, but like he kind of orchestrates a situation where it's after they've gotten engaged and Bella's not telling Jacob and he like says something about like future Mrs. Cullen to Bella and Jacob overhears and um, it's right before they go into battle he's like I'm gonna go like kill myself basically which you know that's I mean that's still not really consensual. <laughs> It's like that's that's the minimum of consent we're getting from Jacob, and so uh he um goes, and you know she follows after him, and he's like, she says kiss me like you know, let's give this, like you know you can you can see if it's gonna go anywhere and it's not, and they have like a kind of angry kiss there that's a lot better, but it's still not good I think I actually think this is similar to what I was saying earlier about um. Stephanie Meyer sacrificing the whole picture for what she thinks is the whole picture. Yeah. Um, and I think she is just, I think it's actually fan service really um, that like a very messed up fan service where she knew she had to give them, she knew she had to give them, yeah, she knew she had to give them Jacob, and she knew that she couldn't let Bella cheat on Edward. Yeah, um, so she had to have this weird non-consensual, and it's just like it's just the wrong priorities. Mm-hmm. It's definitely it's like well. you have gotta understand you're gonna disappoint some readers. Yeah. Like fan service was never ended well. Mm-hmm. I think as well with um with that kind of reaction, you can see why she loves Edward so much that all the men in her life, and she primarily has men in her life. And they all like belittle her. They all laugh at her. They're all like, "Oh, you broke your hand," and she's in pain and she's angry. And then, like after that, Edward shows up and he like like, looks at her hand. He's like, "Yeah, it's broken," and you know takes her to her dad and has this kind of like very calm discussion where he's like, "She's in pain. Like you've messed up," and you can see that he actually has started to listen to her and like respect her in a way that you know we were talking about Midnight Sun last week. He wasn't doing that then, and you see that there has been a growth, which is nice. I like to see growth. have been more attracted to edward and i have a pretty low level of attraction to edward in general (laughs) not a huge fan um but i've never been more attracted to him than when in the film that i watched last Mm -hmm. night to catch up in the (laughs) film he um like comes to her house and like yells at jacob because she tells him i punched him in the face because he tried to kiss me um and edward she jacob's like she doesn't know what she wants and edward's like well here's a clue wait for her to say it and i was Mm -hmm. just like oh that is my favorite scene in the whole franchise beginning to end it's better than the sex scenes it's better than the wedding top scene top notch it's like oh it's just so good and i i'm annoyed because in the book he doesn't lose control you can see he's very angry but he doesn't lose control but i kind of like that he loses control in the film i like that there's this real like just this anger on her behalf that she's not able to be that angry because she has to keep a level of peace and you know her dad's reacting like that so I like that he can be angry for her and like have that aggression that she can't give to Jacob otherwise she'll break her hand yeah and it is in my opinion um the second best thing is when she tells Emmett when yeah. he goes, Oh, what did you do? Like were you trying to what did he say? Were you trying to whistle whilst walking or something like that? Yeah, yeah. Um, and he goes, nah, country werewolf. And like you just see Emma go like, nice. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I just love Emma. He's just a one track minded character, and I love it. Um, I do hate that whole scene though, Laura. Like I've never heard yep. it. Um, and I now am with you on what you said at the beginning. Anyone who's yeah. Team Jacob. I'd I'd actually like to hear your reasoning. Shoot us a message on Instagram, something yeah, like that. Explain. I wanna know. <laughs> I wanna know. And if your answer is Taylor Lautner, that's actually acceptable. I will that take that's the that. only acceptable answer, actually. Yeah. That is the only one that I'm like, fair. Eh. Could have been fair, pers- yeah. wasn't, could have been persuaded. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, any other reason than that, I'm actually very interested because I I don't get how you can I can't like it. see it. I can't understand. No. Where the and even like I mean, you very subtly emphasized a few words in that reading, Laura. Yeah. Um, you know, even though hey. she can't escape. Um even when her being angry makes him like kiss her harder. Yeah. Yeah. Like, oh, Thank you. And there's a bit after I, that where he's saying, like, um, You were kissing me back and she's going, No, I was trying to push you away from me. And he just, oh I mean, let's go to a song and we'll get to We'll get to this after the song. We've just talked for 40 minutes. I'm so sorry to you guys. Apologies. People who come for the music. (laughs) 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 Uh, Here is an absolute Twilight classic. Rosalyn, enjoy. Mm. story I would just like to point out I've actually never heard that song before. You definitely um, have, because it's yeah. in New Moon. And it's when I mean, she folds the picture of her and Edward in half, like right before he leaves her. I would like to point out I've never heard that song before. Um, and <laughs> you can deny it. You've, you've heard it. I haven't. Um, God. I don't know if I'm educated enough to be doing Twilight yeah i'm glad i'm here <laughs> thank goodness for me <laughs> um i'd like to really briefly segue back to the whole um jacob and the imprinting because i've had yeah. a thought and i think it would have been a lot cooler if we um if we if me and stephanie meyer had um arranged for the imprinting to be like a bond thing in like a selective Whose way What idea it, was that <laughs> was mine. Oh, I thought that was my idea. No, I said oh, it no, to you. Oh no, my idea came after it. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Take credit for the one original thought I've had on Twilight. <laughs> one. That's all I ask. Okay. Have yeah, your hey. one. I <laughs> will. <For real. laughs> now I've forgotten what it was. If it was a bonding. Um, stop stealing. Um, yeah, so I think it would have been better if you actually, like, chose your mate, which is a pretty, like, n- like stock standard, like, theory mm-hmm. in the world. Um, and it's also, like, a pretty stock st- standard theory within, like, the vampire section. So why why do the werewolves have to be different? Why does the imprinting have to be, like, a non... Because it's in an interesting way, it's also not consensual for the person it happens to, which is really No, helpful. absolutely not. And we see that with Sam and um, Emily. Emily, yeah. But, like, no one in, in that race. situation would have chosen that. Like at all. No, no one was happy. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that, yeah, I think that's for context, guys. Um, Sam was dating a girl called Leah when he imprinted on a girl called Emily. Who is Leah's um, cousin. Can we just who was Leah's cousin. Yeah. Um, and thanks. Um, <laughs> and he then obviously left Leah family and Leah is in the pack and they can all hear her thoughts and everyone. I think that I think the um quote was they all have to live the Emily, Leah, Sam, Painfest. Painfest. Every day. Um, and so like I think there's also that aspect that it is as much as it's non consensual for um, yeah. the person they choose, it's also super non-consensual for the person it happens to. Mm-hmm. And I think maybe that's an aspect of why Jacob's consent concept is pretty skewed um yeah that's like I'm not trying to make excuses for him at all I still think you know learn it um but like maybe that's this idea that like I don't know it's never really been about consent for the werewolves which is Mm -hmm. they never really had the choice of it yeah but yeah I think if they had 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 a choice it would have been a really interesting um change to the but I think this was my idea I think that if Jacob had choice, he would have used it against Bella. I think he would have been threatening to imprint on her. Certainly, like at that point where he kisses her, I think he would have gone, "No, like I'm fighting for you." And you know, he's very, you know, give him give him his his credit where it's due. He's very kind of passionate, and he's very he really believed that him and Bella were soulmates, and he would have done anything for her even though he hadn't imprinted on her. And I think if he'd had the option to imprint on her, he would have taken it because he would have thought it would have made Bella love him. But really, it just would have been the Bella-Edward-Jacob pain fest. Like, it would have been just as bad, if not worse, because I don't think she would have chosen him. I think there's an aspect of that, though, that, like, is his youth. And, like, so I kind of, I understand that idea of, like, no, they are made for me and we're going to be together forever. Because we all thought that when we were, like, 12 yeah um Harry Stiles, the if you're out there listening i still think we're <laughs> made for each other <laughs> that's the problem with jacob though is that he's 16 but in a 25 year old's body so he's yeah. he's got all the the ability you know he doesn't have to go to school he ha- doesn't you know he he's got none of the the constrictions of being 16 but all of the like unbridled rage <laughs> and irresponsibility yeah. He needs to go listen to Taylor Swift's Reputation album. Yeah. like better <laughs> <the sorts laughs> than a <laughs> <laughs> Enjoy. Um. Yeah, and I think I think that leads like to that um to the slightly off-topic issue of like the whole um casting older people to play younger characters as well yeah. because mm-hmm. the Taylor Lautner just intensifies this idea that like he is a grown man. Yeah, um, and I think as well. I, I, mean, I do. Nicely. I do like Taylor Lautner and I'm not, you know, it was, I, I don't have an issue with him. I have an issue with the way he's cast and that every other Quillette character is played by a Native American person apart from Taylor Lautner. And he's also like a good five years older than the rest of the people who are like playing kids his age. I don't know. I think Which it's, is just it's just such a Hollywood classic. Of course, yeah. the front man is never the right. Like, yeah. you know, they like do, mm-hmm. they do their duty and include... Native American, Yeah, the background, background characters. Yeah, but of course they can never make him a front runner. Yeah. Because who could be attractive? Well. Like, I, I just he, hate that. Yeah, I think in the age situation it is difficult because he was going to have these kind of fairly, you know, he was going to have to kiss Bella and it had to be kind of believable that she would have some attraction to him. And so I think if they'd cast someone that was appropriately aged, it would have been slightly inappropriate. So, I don't know. I, I feel like they didn't really have a way to win there. But then I was just on Stephanie Mayer. So, like... Oh, I agree with that. But then again, I think well, Kristen Stewart was the wrong age as well. I Sorry, that wasn't a dig just at Taylor Lautner. That was a dig at general young adult casting. Yeah, um, but I mean, Bella is, is meant to be older than Jacob and he gets aged up. I agree. I think it's a Hollywood thing that, like, we're not really interested in reading stories about 15-year-olds. We're interested in reading stories about 16, 17, 18-year-olds. So, when he became oh, 11, what he had think? to get aged up. But we're inter- so we're interested in reading books about 17, 16, 18 year olds, weird old. all yeah. of um, But we're only interested in watching films where the main characters have the physique of a 22, 23, 24 year old. Exactly. Um, yeah. Which then gives everyone all sorts of weird perceptions. Um, but speaking of the films, Laura, you have some pretty passionate feelings on the director. I do. So Catherine Hardwick, if you don't know who Catherine Hardwick is, I feel sorry for you. She directed the first film, she introduced us to the blue tint, she did, uh, she, she did a brilliant job, she was pushing rape from the very very beginning for um, a mixed race Colin Clan didn't happen because of Stephanie Mayer. Um, she was fantastic because she brought Twilight into the mainstream, however as soon as the films had success what did they do to their female director? They fucked her off. Like they They booted her out the door. They did. They brought in men to direct the rest. And you can tell there is like a palpable difference in the films between the first one and the rest of them. And it's so sad because she was brilliant at the female gaze. The first film is the female gaze personified. You see Edward walking in slow motion. You see hands touching, eyes darting. It's, It's Pride and Prejudice type female gaze. But in the rest of the films, you don't really get that. It's just kind of boring. It's not interesting to look at. I don't know. I'm very angry like, about it. I kind of, sorry, I'm just thinking. I'm just thinking. I'm just sitting here thinking. Um, and I was also just thinking, like, the female gaze is a really interesting one to play alongside the male gaze. Because the male gaze assumes things about what the female gaze wants that is just so <laughs> off track. Yeah. When we get that that um, scene of like Jacob like stripping to show Charlie yeah. he's a werewolf, I was just thinking about that. And you know that that is an attempt like for the girls, like that's this idea that like teenage girls are gonna want to see him strip. Yeah, but, like not same. really. We want we want the Mister Darcy hand flex. Like yeah, same in like New Moon when Bella goes to Jacob in the rain and he's shirtless in the rain and like dripping and it's just a bit like. Was that meant to be hot? Because it wasn't. Yeah. It's just weird. It's it, yeah, it's just like a like a Mills and Boone romance novel, like this idea that that's what, mm-hmm. um, you yeah, what women want, and like I don't know, it's a really interesting thing because they always just like saturate it so much, yeah. And um, Catherine Hardwick as well redeemed so many, like especially Rosalie. If you watch Rosalie in the first film in the book, she refuses to help Bella in any way, she doesn't go near her she's interact her in the film she kind of, it's a lot more subtle she does help and she interacts and yes yeah, she's kind of cold towards her but you see Catherine Hardwick like redeeming that character and she has a lot more sympathy for the woman, she has a lot I don't know, just a lot better idea of the female characters and what she wants them to be like and what she I don't know, she just likes them, she likes women I, I think she's just I think she's just better <laughs> I'm Beautiful. sorry I'd also like to really briefly talk about, um, I know we have very little time left, um, but i really like to briefly talk about um, Rosalie and Bella and their mm-hmm. relationship because I I was watching the film, um, as we know, and I was that bit where, like, uh, Rosalie says that she's jealous of Bella. Yeah. And I Like, I get so tired of that being a reason for, like, hate. Yeah. You know? And, like, it's such a common trope for, like, Girls in books and films, that the second Mm -hmm. they're like envious of someone, they hate them. And I feel like that's not always like the case. I feel like you can absolutely be envious of someone's life and still like have like some level of like friendship with them. Mm -hmm. I think as well, it's not a coincidence that Rosalie is the beautiful one, but also like the one that Bella's jealous of and she's jealous of Bella. And they can't just be friends like that. You can't be beautiful and nice and you can't be beautiful and friendly. And it's just, and, why is there yeah. so much emphasis on it? Like, she just hates women. Also, she just doesn't really like women. <laughs> Even though she is one. And yeah. also the idea that you can't be beautiful and have genuine friends. If
1: yeah, you never exactly. see Alice
0: and Rose. That's the other thing that bugs me. Like, sure, if you want Bella to hate her, if you want her to hate Bella, no worries. But you never see yeah. a genuine interaction between Esme and Rosalie, Rosalie and Alice. Like, Rosalie yeah. is just constantly pouting in the corner. Her character development peaks in Eclipse Um, but we just see this angry surly girl all the time and And the only time she's the only time she's redeemed is when Bella has a baby and it's like the only thing strong enough to bring women together is childbirth and like our Mm -hmm. one purpose and Bella can fulfill this one purpose for Rosalie I just find it kind of unbelievable I think if she's so jealous of Bella she would be even more jealous of her when she's pregnant she would be even more like Uh, how do you get to have a baby with your vampire husband that's not fair I I find it unrealistic that she would suddenly it would suddenly all be fixed yeah and I think there's yeah and I think there's exactly that this idea that maternal instincts pull you together over anything else over just like I mean, she watches Bella suffer through three movies. Yeah. She watches Edward nearly kill himself. She watches Bella nearly drown. And she has no sympathy until she has this baby and can kind of provide uh, Rosalie with that child. I think if you want evidence that Stephanie Mayer hates Rosalie, you have to read, I don't know if I mentioned this last week or not, on her website there's um, the call that she makes to Edward to tell her that, that Bella's dead. Dead she's been cliff jumping um and uh you see it from rosalie's point of view and it is horrific because when i imagined it i imagined it rosalie being like this isn't fair we're keeping edward in the dark he deserves to know and like kind of making a point of it like let's make the right decision and she doesn't she's like get over it edward it's not a big deal and it's like ridiculous that she would do that it's ridiculous that she would be that stupid that ignorant to say that that doesn't make sense like I hate that Stephanie Mayer had this conversation in her mind as she was like, that's how it goes down. Because in my mind, that was never how it went down, ever. I also don't like that Rosalie, as a trauma survivor, is in, um, insensitive to other people's trauma. Like, that's just not even realistic. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, so like, we've... Sorry, you go. <laughs> I'm going to go on forever. I was about to wrap it up, though, so if you've got a comment, hit me. <laughs> well, no, it's gonna... I was basically going to say... Um, I find it unrealistic that she wouldn't. She in the story she compares it to like her and Emmett, and she's like, "Oh, if I lost Emmett, I would feel that way." And it's like she would have made that connection immediately. Why does it then happen, like ten minutes after she's made the call? It's so stupid. Sorry, I could go on about this forever. Yeah, totally. Um, so we've talked about it before. We've already said, "Would you pass it on?" Let's let's talk about it again. Would you pass it on? Yeah, <laughs> I sat here and complained about it for like an hour. But yeah. Eclipse is my favourite one. That's kind of what we were talking about mostly. And I think it's just so normal. It's so nice to see, like, Edward and Bella's relationship. We've not really touched on this in Eclipse, but it is so much stronger, so much healthier, better communication. He looks out for her. 10 out of 10. What about you? <laughs> no. For two, for two reasons. One, screw Jacob. Two, I know you're <laughs> going to pass it on anyway. And I'm not going to yeah. have saying it, but I don't want to be an active participant. Fair. Fair enough. Thanks. Oh, I'm gonna be receiving twilight copies in the mail for my kids' birthdays for years. <laughs> She's turned 12. Time for twilight. it gonna be like the Hogwarts letters. They'll come in through like <laughs> They'll be like sign. <laughs> I'll be like, don't tell your mother. <laughs> It'll be like bound be in the Hunger be, games and it's exciting. like just... <laughs> And they'll be like, it's for me, it's for me, give me my presents. No Can't <laughs> have it. All righty. Well that's been our show this week. Uh, We have no idea what's coming next week, but we hope you all are enjoying the beginning of your spring break um, and that you continue to have a good one. Yeah. Enjoy. We're going to be playing out on a song that I personally hate, um, but Laura's making it. I love it. No, I'm sorry. It has to be played. It is A Thousand Years by Christina Perry, and it has to be played. I hate it. Um, Goodbye. We love all of you. (laughs) We do. Ta-ta.
2: Bye-bye now. i